The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, beloved in Christ, Marsh Chapel's Gothic nave, built to lift the spirit, welcomes you. The chapel's 60-year history at the heart of Boston University welcomes you. The chapel's regard for persons and personality, both in its conic stained glass windows and in its current ministry, welcomes you. The chapel's familiar love of music, weekday and Sunday, welcomes you. The chapel's congregation of caring, loving souls in this sanctuary welcomes you in spirit. Marsh Chapel is a location meant to give the power of recollection. The liturgy, music, and homily this Lord's Day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service and ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us, and because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Please be seated.
upon this Advent Sunday coming to prayer, we remember the Jerusalem's, Jerusalemites who were brought up short at the river's edge, but had the presence of mind to ask, what then shall we do? Leave it to John the Baptist to answer like a Yankee with starch and brevity. Give away the half of your clothing you do not need to those who do not have. When you are empowered to collect, count carefully, count carefully, be strict about it. Count so well that there is no need of a recount and no suspicion about your motives as you count. Be just, be fair, be honest. When you have power, and you will have some sometime, either the staff power of position and strength or the distaff power of word and voice, whenever you have power, do not use that power to take but to give. Giving and receiving are blessed, taking not. Would that the words of John the Baptist in the season of Advent were no longer needed in our time, but they are. Let us bow in a moment of collective corporate confession as the choir guides us. But for the grace of God, we would not be. But for the grace of God, we could not love. But for the grace of God, we should not speak. But by God's grace, we live and love and speak. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. Lesson from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said in Jerusalem, do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time. And I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home. At that time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
a lesson from Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively verses from the first song of Isaiah with the antiphon. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. Lord. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? 
In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not exhort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. be seated. Worship is the most elementary mark of being alive. Praise, singing, prayer, the primary forms of worship, are the most elementary marks of being alive. You want to live, you will want to find your way to worship, to inhabit its location, to learn its language, and to adopt its listening. Where we are, our location shapes who we are, our recollection. Spaces, places, sounds, scents, taste, these directly affect, impact who we are. Location shapes recollection. 
For some weeks, off and on, I had been struggling without success to remember a name. I take it you will know the struggle. Off and on, and who knows the switches for either or both, I would conjure the memory of a person whom I had not seen in a decade or so. He was an impressive spirit, a tall African-American gentleman with a rich baritone voice. He would attend worship here now and then. His daughter in those years was an undergraduate at Boston University, and on occasion, they would attend and sing together. He was a world-renowned vocalist and taught voice here at the university. For some reason, ever so often this fall, he came to mind, but not his name. I would reach out in recollection but fall short and give up onto other things. He, my unnamed friend, was a generous, gracious soul with his talents, time, and treasure. He had founded a small school elsewhere to support recent immigrants, but what was his name? Then, last week, it happened. I found myself stopping in at our College of Fine Arts to bring a greeting to the new dean there and to drop off some extra postcards as invitations to our service of lessons and carols. Almost 1,000 of you attended the services, with tens of thousands more with us by radio and internet. You may remember the experience last week of praise, hymnody, choral beauty, prayer. It is the elementary mark of being alive. I left the cards and loped down the long staircase. At the turn in the stairs, I remembered his name. I hadn't been trying to remember, but the name came unbidden, bidden or unbidden, God is with us, and a rush of gladness captured me in stairwell descent, his name Simon Estes. The recollection of his name, due to the location of that day, a return to the building where I had called on him in his office now and then. The physical power of the physical location gave me the recollection I did not and could not gain elsewhere. To collect ourselves, we rely on recollection. You may return to read St. Augustine on this one day. Being in a particular space, say here, say now, is the difference so often between hearing and not hearing, knowing and not knowing, remembering and not remembering, breathing and not breathing, life and death. Zephaniah and Isaiah both call us this morning to the recollection of praise, of singing, of prayer, the elementary mark of being alive, worship. But here is the blunt Advent John the Baptist word. Your recollection depends on your location. To know the presence, you need to be present in church, somewhere. All of the unspoken allusions to God before whom in prayer we remember ourselves are conveyed in saving measure in location, here. We sing, preach, and pray in the same space, the same room, the same seats, the same sanctuary, as did Howard Thurman, right here. We admire him. We aspire to learn with him. We, we hope to acquire his, Howard Thurman's, faith, especially at Christmas, when the song of the angels is stilled. Yet here is the John the Baptist, challenge. You can't get very close to Howard Thurman without prayer. You can't get very close to Howard Thurman without song. You can't get very close to Howard Thurman without hymns, spirituals, meditation, candles, study, scripture, gathering, community, meaning, belonging, empowerment, preaching, praise, psalms, worship. 
You can't get very close to Howard Thurman without religion. You can't get very close to Howard Thurman without religion. Our gospel today goes deeper still from location onto language. Worship is the most elementary mark of being alive, and this, praise, singing, prayer, the primary forms of worship, these are the elementary marks of being alive, and you want to be alive, so you will want to find your way to worship, to inhabit its location, to learn its language, and to adopt its listening. Not one of us can learn a language without labor, without attention and work. Think of your Latin conjugations and declensions. Think of your study of the periodic table of the kings and queens of England, of theorems and formulae. Worship has a language too, which bears practice, bears learning, bears knowing, bears discipline. Later last week, a friend and I were talking For some inexplicable reason, I asked him to remember the theology he had studied in the School of Theology some years ago. He named a book from some years ago by George Lindbeck titled The Nature of Doctrine. Lindbeck was a Yale teacher and a good writer, too, not that those two are at odds, by the way. Inspired so, I vainly hunted for my own dog-eared copy of years ago, hunting in the usual suspect places, four in number, to no avail, and retreating to get a library copy, then sitting in a different posture back in the office, suddenly spied my own book on the third shelf there all the time after all. Anyway, Lindbeck produced a couple hundred pages of dense argument, easily summarized in this way. Faith comes from knowing the grammar of faith, the syntax of faith, the spelling of the nouns and the verbs of faith. Coming to faith is like learning Japanese or Koine Greek. In worship, we learn a new language. Yes, propositions, doctrine and dogma are present and important. Lindbeck compliments the conservatives. Yes, experience and expression are important. Lindbeck compliments the liberals. But the real nature of doctrine is embedded in the lifelong struggle to learn your real mother tongue. The language of praise and singing and prayer and worship, the language of faith. To do so, you have to speak it, to sing it, to utter it, to name it, to lift it, or you won't know it and you won't have it. So, Lindbeck writing, just as an individual becomes human by learning a language, so he or she begins to become a new creature through hearing and interiorizing the language that speaks of Christ. The grammar of religion, like that of language, cannot be explicated or learned by analysis of experience, but only by practice. Language, the language of faith in worship is crucial. Now, we, or at least I, might want to argue with Lindbeck as well, saying that though his emphasis benefits uh, us, it benefits too from the other perspectives. Learning a language is meant to prepare one, after all, to speak the truth. And truth may come not just in grammar and syntax, but also in proposition and especially in experience. And that truth may well require changes in inherited language, grammar, syntax, and spelling. Our gospel prepares us for Jesus this Advent Lord's Day to know Jesus by knowing his people and his predecessor, Luke has greatly expanded on what Mark earlier taught about John the Baptist. Here, the Baptist lines out part of the language of faith. Be it readily remembered that real religion is never very far from justice. Be it readily remembered 
that real religion is never very far from justice. What says John the Baptist? Says he, turn your neighborly attention to equity, your legal tax work to fairness, your regimental armor to protection. All of these lines are about justice, economic justice. The Baptist could have been more economical himself, talking to neighbor and tax collector and soldier simply by saying this along the River Jordan in a word, tithe. Such a John the Baptist word. Tithe. Such an Advent word. If everyone tithed, we would need no charities, no taxes, and no armies. The language of faith would be the grammar, syntax, and spelling of the common hope. And it is the language the world most needs, and that which Jesus teaches from alphabet to sonnet. But here is the challenge, the very Advent, very John the Baptist challenge, a very timely one for us. You can't get very close to Jesus without prayer. You can't get very close to Jesus without song. You can't get very close to Jesus without hymns, spirituals, meditation, candles, study, scripture, gathering, community, meaning, belonging, empowerment, preaching, praise, psalms, worship. You can't get very close to Jesus without religion. Worship is the most elementary mark of being alive. Praise, singing, prayer, the primary forms of worship are the most elementary marks of being alive and we want to be alive. So we will want to find our way to worship, to inhabit its location, to learn its language and to adopt its listening. The gospel today takes us deeper still, down from the language and location of life into soul, into listening. Right now, you may not be drawn to Howard Thurman. Right now, you may not even be drawn to Jesus. But you have no choice about knowing yourself. And each and every sermon, we pray with care and omitting any surgical mistakes, cuts to the heart, cuts to the bone, cuts to the marrow. Worship is about being alive. It is the elementary mark of being alive. Death makes us mortal. Facing death makes us human. Death makes us mortal. Facing death, come worship, makes us human. And if we read the Bible, and if we worship in the church, if nothing else, then the utter God-forsakenness, the deathliness of death is unmistakable if we will listen. Just a few days ago, I was sitting in the beautiful, relatively new atrium of our business school, no longer management, but business, by the way. I was waiting there reading a newspaper. After a while, a young man put down his various devices, eyed my name tag, and sat down next to me. We began to talk. Conversation is a grace. Conversation is a grace. Prize your conversation. Now you have it. After a while, his name too was Robert, he admitted why he had sidled up to me. He said, I don't ever see anyone reading an actual newspaper anymore like you're doing. <laughs> what, what is it like? <laughs> why do you do that? Well, I gave the usual reasons. I read online, but Sometimes I like the fuller length of the articles. I like to be surprised by turning a page onto something unexpected rather than cyber-guided. I like the texture of the pages in my hand. It was not a debate or a matter of convincing. 
He was happily curious, and I was glad to be a curiosity. I invited him to lessons and carols. Here, then, today or another, he might find a pastoral guide to listen to him. Here, he might find a friend in the pew to listen to him. Here, he might find a kindred spirit to listen to him, someone who could befriend him even better than the newspaper-covered dean who listened to him that happy day. When Paul acclaims rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, have no anxiety about anything but in all things in prayer and supplication lift your needs to God and the peace of God which passes, surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It is a question whether in the end there is any real rejoicing that is not always and utterly in the Lord. But what makes a lifetime of difference is whether there is someone there to listen when you sing, to listen when you pray, to listen when you worship, to listen to yourself, no, to listen to your own most self, to listen your soul into life, in worship, you put yourself in earshot, in earshot of relationship, of acquaintance, of friendship, and of listening to the soul. But here is the Advent John the Baptist River Jordan challenge. You can't get very close to yourself without prayer. You can't get very close to yourself without song. You can't get very close to yourself without hymns, spirituals, meditation, candles, study, scripture, gathering, community, meaning, belonging, empowerment, preaching, praise, psalms. You can't get very close to yourself without worship. You can't get very close to yourself without religion. Worship is the most elementary mark of being alive, so wrote Jürgen Moltmann, quoting Gerhard von Rad. I find it potent to name not just one, but two German theologians to conclude. Praise, singing, prayer, the primary forms of worship are the most elementary part, parts of be, marks and parts of being alive. You want to live, and you will want to find your way to worship, to inhabit its location, to learn its language, and to adopt its listening. So come to church, come Sunday. So the Baptist preaches, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Amen.
please be seated. We now come to a time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. This prayer is read responsibly. When the words, Lord, in your mercy are invoked, you are invited to respond, hear our prayer. As we await the coming of Christ, we pray and hope for the church, the world, and all of creation. For choirs, hymn writers, musicians, and off-key singing, we give you thanks, Holy One. Fill us with your song of joy. Open us to proclaim your glory in our singing, speaking, and silence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the hurting places in creation, for seas and lands ravaged by natural disasters, for communities and creatures displaced by floods and droughts, grant peace through your presence and joy in your healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For peace to ring out in our hearts and in our homes. For mercy and forgiveness to reign in every community. For war to cease and hunger to end. Give us this joy now, Holy One. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who are oppressed, for soldiers and veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder and their families, for neighbors who have no access to medical care, for those who are ill and those who mourn. Fill them with your peace, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. For foster families opening up their homes, for grandparents raising grandchildren, for single parents struggling to make ends meet, for expectant parents who now grieve, give strength and comfort. Holy One, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And thanksgiving for preachers and teachers who guide us, guided us on the way. Bring us with them to, joy, to rejoice eternally in you Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Confident that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, we bring to you these prayers and those unspoken. In the name of Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. And as our Savior Christ has taught us, we now pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
welcome you again to Marsh Chapel on this third Sunday in Advent. Thank you for joining us as a part of our community of worship today, whether you are here in the sanctuary, listening on the radio or live stream on the internet, or later via our podcast. For those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the end of each pew along the center aisle. This will help us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. Uh, A special thanks of ministry and presence today to the Reverend Raymond C. Hittinger, who also happens to be my father. He read the gospel today, so (laughs) thanks for being here. Um, We invite you to join us downstairs after the service in the Marsh Room for coffee and snacks, as well as an opportunity to connect with others attending the service today. It's the end of the semester here at Boston University, and we want to express our best wishes to students as they finish their final papers, projects, and exams this week. Safe travels to all who are heading out of town, and a safe break to all. Because it is the end of the semester, all chapel weekly fellowship activities are on hold until the beginning of the spring semester in January. However, Marsh Chapel's worship services will continue through the winter break on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Please join us next Sunday as we celebrate the fourth Sunday in Advent and the following Sunday for the first Sunday of Christmas. On Christmas Eve, the chapel will offer two worship opportunities, one at 1 p.m. and one at 7.30 p.m., both here in the nave. Holy Communion will be offered at both services. We hope you will join us as we celebrate the birth of Christ. As a reminder, though, as a reminder those interested in year-end giving may consider our ongoing support of the endowment of the Deanship of Marsh Chapel. More information can be found at bu.edu stewardship. For all other news and upcoming events, please visit our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as the chapel website at bu.edu chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Those interested in year-end giving uh, may consider support for the chapel. And uh, those, <laughs> and now as the ushers wait upon us for the offering, may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
Gracious and loving God, source of all that is good, we offer these gifts to you this morning so that we may be equipped to be of service to you. Through them, may we show gratitude for the privilege to express our love to you through our act of selfless giving. In Christ's name we pray, amen. support us all the day long of this troublous life till the shadows lengthen and the evening comes the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done then in thy mercy grant us we pray safe rest happy lodging and peace at the last through Christ our Lord amen <laughs> 